Hi, and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, State Clerk of the EPC. We pray that God uses Dean and his guests to inform and inspire you about the EPC and how God is working in and through our global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian Churches. The motto of our family of congregations is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. And thank you, Rachel. Appreciate, as always, that familiar voice that opens up our conversations for this podcast, In All Things. And if you're part of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church and you listen to our podcast regularly, welcome back. It's great to have you as a part of the EPC family of churches. If you're extended family, and that is to say you're listening in on this conversation, we're glad to have you too. We really are delighted to have people listening in from more than 40 different countries around the world, as well as across the United States and the Caribbean. So we're grateful, truly grateful that you've taken the time to be with us week after week. Of course, we drop issues of In All Things every Friday. They drop and and you can pick them up wherever you get your podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, the Google, or just go to our website, epc.org. Lots of interesting things there, including a banner that you just click on at the top and it'll take you right to our podcast site. You can look at this episode, like it, forward it, share it, or you could scroll back through previous episodes and and listen to the ones that perhaps you've missed or re-listen to ones that you thought you wanted to go back and revisit again. But we are a a, a low-key organization and a low-key podcast, so we really depend on your liking and your sharing on social. So if you could do that for us, that helps spread the word. We meet for conversations like this every week as they usually relate to the EPC, but we think they have an application to a larger audience. And that is the case with our conversation today. Today, we'll be talking with Greg Daniels. Greg is the stated clerk of the Presbytery of the West, one of the two original presbyteries of the EPC. But Greg is also a member of what we call Pepsi, the Parker Evangelical Presbyterian Church. In Pepsi, they have a a reading the Bible in a year program that's online. It's open to everybody, and I pay attention to it. I'm not as regular with it as I probably should be. But I think the discipline of reading the Bible over a year and having the accountability to do it in community. We're going to dig down a little bit on that. So, Greg, welcome to this edition of In All Things. Thanks, Dean. It's, it's great to be here with you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate having you here. And Greg is in town because we are hosting a meeting of our presbyteries stated clerks. And for those of you who don't know what a presbytery is, it's a regional gathering of churches. And just as I am the stated clerk and CEO of the whole family of churches at CPC, Greg is that person or that particular region. And the West is a big region. It goes from Canada to Mexico, and it goes from Kansas to Utah. So it's a big swath of land. Just say that the Presbytery of the West, when they meet, they're not opposed to getting on planes. They do that fairly regularly. And one of the meetings that I attended in the Presbytery West, which was a pastor's retreat, was at an unusual location. And so today's episode of In All Things is actually brought to you by Enoch's Stomp Vineyard. Yes, an EPC broadcast brought to you by a vineyard. And the reason why is that Enoch Stomp Vineyard, uh, two of the proprietors are John and Shelley Crawl. Shelley is the associate pastor of the Longview 
EPC Church. And Enoch Stomp is a vineyard in Harlington, Texas, which is about an hour and 45 minutes or so outside of Dallas as you're moving toward Shreveport, Louisiana. It's in East Texas, and I will tell you, the wine is spectacular. I had no idea that they could do such quality wines in East Texas. I had no idea. But the setting is beautiful. They have these lovely little chalets, villas there that you can rent. You can do wine tastings. You can do retreats there. A little bit of a clue. I'm taking my wife there for her birthday coming up. So it is a truly special place, and you're supporting a wonderful EPC family when you support Enoch's Stomp Vineyard in Harlington, Texas. So you ought to check them out. They are, thanks to Greg Daniels' generous donation, now a sponsor of In All Things. So we thank you, Greg, for your help and sponsorship. You bet. They're very deserving. And you, you missed that they have a wonderful gourmet dining room and, and restaurant and fantastic food. Oh, there you go. Okay. So, and you're a bit of a foodie, so. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah, you get that. Okay. So help our listeners get to know you a little bit, Greg, because you're a, you're not a pastor, you're a ruling elder, but you're also a state clerk of a presbytery. So how did you get involved in kind of church work like you do? I know you're a musician and you play in worship bands. So you're a state clerk, you're a worship leader, a musician, but you have a day job. Give us the quick flyby on who is Greg Daniels. The quick flyby. Well, so... I did start into playing with the worship band at our church, you know, 20 plus years ago and loved doing that. And at one point in time, I had a pastor that we met regularly for accountability. And, and he said, you know what, I don't want you to just do this only. I want you to be more involved in the church and I want to figure out how to help you get, get into there. And, and his name is Mike Work and he helped considerably with, with getting me to figure out what, what's the next step for me in my faith journey. And I loved it. I had a chance to get involved with being a deacon at the church and Later, I was a, an elder sitting on the session, which is the, the board that operates and thinks about how to review and understand the mind of Christ and what, what Christ desires for the church. So had the chance to be part of that. And our church, like many churches, had a time when it had some difficulties. And I remember a lot of people were in pain. You know, there was a lot of struggling because it's your home, it's your church, this is your family. And we weren't sure exactly where we were going to go next. And these two gentlemen came in from what's called the ministerial committee, this committee that helps churches as they're going through struggles and difficulties. And these two guys were just so calming and so reassuring and so helpful. And they had this plan for how we would would talk about the struggles that we were going through. And they had this plan for how we would consider what was next for us as a church. Mm. And they just stayed with us that whole time when it was difficult. As we worked with them, things got progressively better, easier. We understood what was going on. And I remember thinking, I want to do what those guys do, you know? Mm. And so after my time on session, which generally we do three or six year total terms for being on session. And after that, I, I joined into the ministerial committee. That was something I had as a, an opportunity for me after being a ruling elder on session or even during being a ruling elder on session. So I joined into that and just fell in love with the committee, got involved in the work that they were doing, became the chair of the ministerial committee, did that for a considerable amount of time. And then it opened up the, the stated clerk's position, which when you look at what we are as a, as a community of churches, we, we really love the local church. We really want the local church to be able to thrive, but we also want them to be able to be independent and, and have authority in themselves. So I consider the stated clerk to be the, the top guy in a bottom-up organization. So <laughs> um, it's an awesome opportunity to 
serve the pastors, chaplains, missionaries, other people who are in ministry in the presbytery and just to help them with whatever they're doing. I oftentimes tell people I have all the responsibility with none of the authority. (laughs) I understand. (laughs) So one of the things I want to dig down on a little bit, Craig, and I hadn't thought about this, but I think this would be helpful for our listeners. How has your involvement beyond the local church contributed to your discipleship, contributed to your growth as a follower of Jesus? Because I think sometimes people see there's busyness for the sake of busyness and there's a works righteousness and there's all these other kind of things. But I think sometimes people don't see contributing or being involved in things beyond their own congregation as beneficial. It's more of an obligation, but it actually can really be a gift in terms of contributing to your own walk with the Lord, right? Absolutely. And, and in part because it causes you to slow down so you have a question or, or something that's going on, and it causes you to slow down and think, okay, where do I go first for this answer? And, of course, that answer is Christ. And, and, and of course, you find that through reading the Bible and being involved in, in, in that and understanding what God has as a plan for the church and God has a plan, as a plan for each and every one of us. And, yeah, so those questions cause you to slow down, think about that, go to people that you know for advice, and, and just spend the time on, on the answers. Yeah, and the primary way it seems that we are intended to grow in terms of our discipleship is is relationships, mm-hmm. right? The people who iron sharpens iron, the people who sharpen you, the people who live life on life with you. And so here we are, we're at a, the reason why you're in the studio today is because we have a gathering of stated clerks, the, the 16 stated clerks from around our denomination all getting together, sharing best practices, rustling over common issues and concerns. But really what people love about meetings like this is the relationships that they mm-hmm. build over the years. And so you get stronger because you end up with people in relationship who draw you closer to Christ in that context, right? I mean, it's one of the EPC's, I think, great strengths is that we're a highly relational family of churches. Absolutely. Yeah. I always look back on this and I've, I'm a big Facebooker. I, I'll just admit it. And I look back on all the years that I do this. I always have I like I can a, hear all of the Gen Z rolling their eyes oh, they, at the yeah, same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah Gen Z, because Facebook is just a place where- but old, they're not probably listening to podcasts anyway, are <laughs> they? Right? Yeah. They, they just know that Facebook is a place where old, angry people go. Right, so yeah, right, um, right. I, I, don't, I don't see myself as that, but- I hey. don't see you as old and I, you're definitely not angry. Okay. Well, I, I can agree with one point. point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I look back over the years and it's always like I, I have all these friends that I come here and see and I have fun dinners and fun time with them. And, and we do have these great discussions. Some of them get spirited and, and people have opinions and they're glad to share them. But it's in a room full of people where you can do that with each other because we have these friendships. So what does a for the person listening in who has no idea, I mean, they're faithful to their local congregation, but beyond that, they don't really have a great understanding of how the APC works. What is a stated clerk? I'm always, I always enjoy people introducing me when I come because they stumble over trying to describe what a stated clerk yeah. is. What is a stated clerk and what do they do and why is it a servant and helpful to the church? There's kind of what we in the BPC really love, which is that relational side. So there's that portion of it, right? And then there's an administrative portion of it. And I'll start with the administrative portion, which is there are all kinds of rules and regulations that we follow to try to make sure that we are doing what we see as right as a body of churches. Decent, 
and in order. Decent and in order. Yeah, that's yes. like the Presbyterian buzz line. Right? That goes back into, you, you, we need to be able to say that in a Scottish accent because that goes way back <laughs> way back then. Yeah, And and so we want to make sure little things like, are, are we bringing in pastors who are qualified to teach and work with people who are walking through their life in, in faith? And, and how do we make sure that we're staying consistent with what we're teaching and so that you don't go to one EPC church and learn one thing that would be different at another EPC church. We, we want to make sure that that theology and orthodoxy that we're considering is is all the same. So that's part of the administrative side. And there's teams of people within the presbytery that make sure a lot of that is taken care of. There's a recording of who actually did pass ordination exams, but where are they working and what are they doing and, and how does that fit them into the, the presbytery? So there's a lot of that sort of thing. And administratively, the stated clerk in our presbytery, we have three meetings a year. The stated clerk designs and runs those meetings, or, or at least prepares most of the documents, and, and the agenda or docket is prepared by the, the stated clerk. And then the stated clerk also keeps the minutes of those meetings. So we have an official record of everything that we've talked about and decided. So I think this analogy probably is not a pretty one, but people know it. People love the sausage. They don't always want to know how the sausage is made. Right. In our case, uh, the sausage is good, and that's what you want. It's great. But actually, how the sausage is made is actually part of our discipleship process and actually isn't as grueling and gruesome <laughs> as people might expect. I mean, not everybody gets super jazzed about meetings. I understand that, right? God so loved the world, he didn't send a committee, send his own son. But at the same time, I think we have a way of... But didn't his son form a committee? <laughs> <laughs> the 12? Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I think in the way we conduct ourselves, both what is produced, the sausage, is important, and that's what most people focus on. But I think the way we go about it is also important and matters, right? And those two things are kind of married. They kind of link up with one another. Yeah, absolutely. And and you see that played out in how each of the teaching elders, the ordained folk that are part of... Presbyterian, even really the ruling elders ordained in that capacity, you see that in how they react to each other in, in the meetings and how they allow for space for conversations and questions and space for learning. And, and you, you have this whole collection of people that some are fantastic at theology. They can go into the deepest, most intense questions. And some are fantastic at running an organization. And you can mix those people together and the, the person who struggles with running an organization can can say, hey, what do I do in this situation? Give me some advice here. And, and that's a strength of having ruling elders who are not, they're not the, the folks that have gone through the theological education necessarily. And they're able to come in and stand alongside the teaching elders who do have that deep theological education. And they can help them with things that they've learned in, the, in a life outside of the church right. um, that's, that organizationally helps them. So so you said that the, the position has two components to it. One yeah. was the administrative. We talked about that. But talk to me about the relational. Yeah, relational is to me that's the point I really love is is being involved with everybody that's there and as the stated clerk I, I kind of think of it as I'm a pastor to a whole bunch of pastors and that time spent with all these folks is spent caring for them at times sometimes they have things going on in their life and they want to talk about it and sometimes even we find really tough situations in this last year I've been to two funerals three funerals for for members of our presbytery and so that's part of just being there and being there for the family and reaching out to them and, and, and pastorally caring for them. So that's a big part of it. The other thing is just spending time and enjoying each other and having a grouping of people who 
relate well to each other and can do so without pressures of having your congregation around you or having to be the one who is the pastor. You can step out of that role and just be part of your own congregation here of members of the presbytery. And, right. and that's a great opportunity. I, and you guys do that as well as anybody, Greg. I mean, I think Presbytery of the West is maybe one of our more highly relational presbyteries, and you guys spend a lot of purposeful, intentional time just hanging out together. Yeah. And that doesn't feel, when you're with you, like it's a waste of time. It feels like it's actually the thing that people long for, and they find other people who are struggling with the same things they are, people who kind of get it, because pastoring is an interesting, if you think of it as a job, it, there's nothing quite like it. It's really unusual. So other people who sort of get it and get your world that you can have relationship with, people just long for being in community. And that's a space where that happens. You guys do that really well. Thank you. Yeah. And we put large effort into it. We, we make sure that every one of our presbytery meetings has a big portion. We, we carve out time for, for everybody to pray together. And, and we structure even uh, concepts or thoughts to pray about together so that prayer time that, that's productive and, and helpful for everyone. And you have pastors retreats at vineyards. Yeah, yeah. That's not Where a we sit around and drink wine and talk about Jesus. Yeah, and study John 15. Right. It's like we're studying John 15 in a winery. There's something really right about that. The, the, yeah, it's it's the perfect setting. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's pivot a little bit because I know you're really passionate about this program of reading through the Bible in a year. Tell me how that came about. Yeah, so I had years and years ago, probably seven or eight years ago, somebody had just asked me, hey, would you ever consider doing an online Bible study? And I started doing that, and, and it has just developed and grown over the years out of that one request. And I invited my pastor, Doug Ressler, to join me in that, and so we kind of take two parts on it. We have a, a Facebook group, it's called Bible in a Year 2023, with Doug, Greg, Johnny, and Lucy. So we added some people Oh, the, the longs are in there. Yeah, the longs are so in there. So this is an in-all-things family thing, because I think yeah. it occurred to me today, with you coming on this podcast, because your pastor has been on twice— so now this is our third Pepsi person okay, uh, yeah. in, in two years. And Johnny Long just did an episode with us not that long ago. So this entire read through the Bible thing is really kind of an in-house, in-all-things family. It's, it's becoming an EPC thing. All yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. Cool. All and, right. Uh, How's it work? So how, how it works, we have the Facebook group, and we're close to 600 people on that right now at this point. And we're all reading out of a chronological plan that we're following in the version Bible. And... So every day I'll go on, or Johnny, so Monday through Thursday, I go on, Johnny and Lucy go on, on on Friday and Saturday onto Facebook, and we write what we're reading for that day and what we're reading for tomorrow. And we take one verse or one short passage and describe our thoughts on that passage for the day. This is not like deep academic over people's heads kind of stuff. No, no, it's very simple. And and that's good because most of the Bible is giving us very simple ways to, to look at how we can accomplish what is great and good in life through the works of the, the Holy Spirit. So we write something simple. We allow any question to be asked. So no one will ever be shamed or, or put down or judged for their questions. And so early on in the year, we get every question you can think of. And we are willing and happy to answer anything that's in there. The other thing that's on that Facebook group is Doug Ressler will put a link to his blog, which is DougRessler.com, D-O-U-G-R-E-S-L-E-R.com. And he does a longer blog, maybe four or five paragraphs on the reading for the day and, and his thoughts. And so he'll go a little deeper. Still, you don't need to have a, an advanced degree to understand it, but, but uh, he'll go a little bit deeper. So, And the nice thing is you get a prompt every day. If you're in the Facebook group that comes up on your feed, 
and you could simply just see what the text is and set aside and read it. You could go and read your comments or Johnny's comments on that, or uh, Johnny and Lucy. Lucy's yeah. comments mm-hmm. on that. Or you could link to Doug's blog and go even deeper yet. So there's really like a quick medium and a longer version, depending on the time you have to, to dig into that. Yeah. And we have everybody all along the spectrum. We have people and ask are, questions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have people that read every word of the Bible and read every word that Doug says and re- everything that either Johnny, Lucy, or I say. And then they come back and make comments. and, and So it's interactive and it forms yeah. a little bit of a sense of community. Yeah, absolutely. Community absolutely. around reading the Bible together. What a concept. Right. Yeah, that seems important. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was struck by something I heard you say the other day, Greg. And in a conversation, you were talking about how, as you're reading through the Bible this time, because uh, you've done it before, you actually have a kind of a framework you're using this time to kind of think about the text that you're reading. And you're, you're using a kind of a paradigm from Tim Keller. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Tim Keller. And I think it probably was originally a sermon he did. It's a book called The Prodigal God. and if, Which I could not more highly recommend. Like, it, yeah. like if you've heard the story of the prodigal son, you think you understand it. And then you get Keller's take on it. And you're yeah. like, oh, that's really fascinating. That yeah. I never saw it that way. Yeah, before Keller's take, I always looked at why were they so harsh on the good son, right? He did all, everything right. He should have been able to get an award or something. You know, there right. should have been a trophy for him. Right. But instead, he kind of got a little scorn from his dad. He said, everything I have is yours. But the, the other son, the, the prodigal son, was lost, and now he's come back, right? And, and we should celebrate that. But Keller kind of breaks that down and describes that there are really two types of people. Those who seek to prove themselves by doing good and seek to win the favor of God by following rules and being the best at being good and right and righteous that they can. And it it should be said here that that doesn't know any ideology, right? There's people who lean to the left that do that and people that lean to the right that do that. Right. It's about our own desire to make ourselves righteous. Right. Whether you're doing it, yeah, you're right, to, to the left or the right whatever the left or the right means any, anymore, right. whether we're talking right. yeah, right. theologically or, or, or politically or anything like that. The other person is one that goes out and tries to say that there are no rules that I'm going to follow. I'm going to do what's right by me, always finding my own pleasure to make my life better. Right. So neither one of those are following Jesus in that scenario. One of them is following their own righteousness. One of them is following their own desire. Historically, those are the libertines and the Judaizers. There you go. Yeah. And so when you walk through the Bible, thinking about every passage you read, who are you seeing here that's trying to please themselves? Who are you seeing that's trying to please Jesus through their actions? And who are you seeing that's just following Jesus? Right. And, And how do each of those passages in the Bible relate to that? So it's been a fun way to walk through the Bible and see what God has for you. Yeah, this year. I mean, that's the beauty of the scripture, right? Is you can read the same passage 20 times and the Holy Spirit still chooses to reveal something or show you something in that, yeah. that 25th time where you're like, oh my gosh, I never saw that before. And so if you come in with a kind of a biblical paradigm as a lens through which you're going to look at scripture, it's like putting on a pair of glasses and you're like, I never wore glasses that were shaded green before. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm looking at this with a whole new context. Yeah. And I've done this Year after year, last year I did it based on what what hospitality rules were looked at oh, in, in each oh. part of the Bible, and it's funny all the Old Testament hospitality rules are are super clear in the New Testament where Jesus talks about if ever I knock on the door and somebody invites me in, I'll come in and I'll eat with them, which is a, an old hospitality rule. If you knocked on somebody's door, if they didn't invite you in, then they were calling you essentially their enemy. That was the, the so hosp- shake the dust off your feet. shake the dust off your feet, or you know 
worst case scenario, you're David, you come back and attack them. You know? yeah. um, or like growing up for me as a kid, and then we toilet papered your house. Right, right. So, right. Yeah. yeah, something vicious. <laughs> so, um, it, but if they do invite you in, you're their friend. They know that you respect them, and so they will respect you back and, and, and honor you back in that. So Right. Well, that's super fascinating. I think all of us, as we're reading the Bible, need a plan to help us follow through. We have good intentions. But if you have a plan and you have others to hold you accountable to the plan and you have a, f- a fresh way of approaching it, like you've done with these different paradigms over the years, it takes you to new levels of things that you'll see that the Lord has in his scripture for you, which is really super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you mentioned the word community earlier, and community is always important especially even for pastors. If they're not regularly in the word, it's hard for them to really appreciate what they're doing in terms of being a pastor and having a community that they can walk through this with and see how other people think about it, how other people ask questions about it. It's important. Right. Very cool. Well, any words of counsel to anyone who's thinking about getting into a Bible plan or doing a regular reading like that? Any advice you give them? First thing, find a a grouping you can do it with. If you have a small group, start reading the Bible with them. The, the one thing I'll, I will say, I say this every year when I'm planning for more people to join or trying to get more people to join, it takes about 15 to 20 minutes a day to read the Bible in a year. You'll develop a habit over a short period of time and you'll be regularly excited about your opportunity to read the Bible. And you'll find yourself surprised that you get through the Bible in a year without much difficulty at all. That's a strong challenge for me because I've never been as uh, disciplined about that as I think I could be. So I appreciate that. Yeah, you bet. You bet. All right. Well, friends, I hope today's conversation has been helpful to you and that if you're part of the EPC, maybe you learned a little bit more about the administrative and relational parts of how we do our common life together and what a stated clerk looks like. And if you're not all that interested in that and in Greg's story, you've heard a strong encouragement on how to be part of a community that reads the Bible together. Both of those things are part of what form and shape us in terms of being disciples of Jesus. And you're a great friend and great disciple of Jesus, Greg. So thank you for your time together. Thank you, Dean. All right. Well, my friends, that concludes our conversation for today. And if you would, as always, please like us on social and share this with others. Get the good word out there that God is doing great things through the EPC. And relationally, we can build one step at a time in terms of our discipleship and growing closer to the Savior. Our closing words, as always, I hope this is an ongoing blessing for you. Every Friday, we come back to this text again and again and again and again because it forms and shapes so much of who we are, how we think, and what we do. From Colossians 1, 15 through 18, the Apostle Paul writes these words. The Son is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all of the creation. And in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things. That's your job, your relationships, art, beauty, justice, science, all of the things have been created through him and ultimately, my friends, they're for him. He is before all things and in him, that is our Savior Jesus Christ, in him, all things hold together. For he is the head of the body, the church. That is our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name and on behalf of the EPC family of churches until the next time when we gather in a venue like this to have yet another conversation, I bid grace and peace to you. 
Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of the entire team, please join us for our next episode. For more information about the EPC, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.